Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. We are really excited today to have Paul and Sandra from Minimalist Journeys, where they talk about their passion for minimalist living and mindful and sustainable travel and equipping people to have more experiences by living with less. And today they're going to share some of their experiences from travel house sitting and dealing with pets along the way and give us some mindset tools as well. So Paul and Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. Please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, thanks, Colin, for having us. Um, so we are Paul and Sandra, as you introduced us already. Um, Paul is Kiwi, he's from New Zealand. Um, I'm from Germany, and um, we both met in Australia and Sydney, where we both worked for probably about 10 years or so. Um, we have left, or we had we had corporate careers in, in Sydney um, until 2016. Um, Paul worked in IT. Um, I worked for a financial institution, um, long hours, um, and um, at some point we decided to um, give up on those corporate careers and follow our heart, and that was in 2016, um, and yeah, we've been nomadic or location independent since then, um, and started house-sitting officially. Um, Probably 2017 or so, a year later after we left our corporate careers. Sounds like quite the transition from corporate careers to nomadic house-sitting and traveling and having no home base. What was that transition like for you and what really spurred that on? Well, in 2012, we took a sabbatical from our uh, employment and we spent three months traveling overseas. We got back from that trip and realized there's more to life than actually work and corporate life and uh, working for somebody else. So over the next few years, we dedicated our our time and resources to saving as much as we possibly could um, to the point where in 2016, we were both able to give up our jobs, quit our jobs, sell our house, sell our possessions, and actually move to the life that we actually wanted to live. Yeah, it took it. It wasn't. It didn't happen overnight. I mean, the 2012 trip kind of was a starting point. Um, in 2014, Paul and I got married, and um, we wrote a commitment statement in, t- in terms of how our life, um, how we wanted our life to live, our future life together. Um, and and that was, I guess, the starting point for our minimalist journey. Um, and from that point onwards, 2014 to 2016, so it's like a period of two years uh, where we reduced a four-bedroom house down to carry-on backpacks. So, you know, every weekend, slowly reducing um, our possessions, garage sales, giving away to friends, going to um, op shops, thrift stores to, to give stuff away, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not something that just w- you woke up one day and the next day you were in a backpack, right? It was this very intentional yeah. <laughs> process of, of working. Into, exactly. w- w- was that Was that because you had to become comfortable with just the backpack lifestyle or was it just so much that you had to pare down that you had to slowly work to it? No, in fact, it was the opposite. The fact that when we went away on our our big three-month trip in 2012, 
we actually had very large backpacks. We had 70-litre backpacks. We had everything we thought we needed for the just-in-case. In the Amazon, I took my tripod just in case uh, there was a, a tiger sitting there and I wanted to take a photo of the tiger and the tiger would stand still. Yeah, I know, Amazon. Uh, tigers in the Amazon. And, and there wasn't even a tiger in the Amazon. So how bad was that? I didn't even know. So it was yeah. a point where it was things that we didn't want as opposed to things that we needed to have. So we pared down the things that we that that held us back, things like the house and the big backpack for travel and the need to go to exotic places that everybody else goes to. So our, our intention w- was and is to do things that society doesn't expect of us, which mm. is including, you know, going down to just having a backpack mm. full of our possessions and that's all. Yeah, or at least questioning kind of the societal norm for us. Um, that the trip in 2012 kind of opened our eyes. Um, you know, we returned to our corporate life and realizing, on oh, these are first world problems that we're trying to solve that are not real problems. Nothing, you know, really important. Um, and then on the other hand, spending you know ten day, ten hours a day, twelve hours a day in 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 a role where we found or realized, or I at least realized, that, that they didn't align with our values. So you had that transformational trip where you were away for three months hunting, or you, uh, not hunting, but uh, tracking down tigers that didn't <laughs> exist in the Amazon. And you you come back and you decide that you want to be nomadic. And, and I know when people hear nomadic, and especially in the house-sitting world, there are a couple different ways that people can go about house-sitting. There's, there's the for-pay version, and then there's the um, value-based house sitting. So which one of those uh, options do, do you guys ascribe to and, and why? So for us, it's the values-based side. We don't get paid for our house sitting services. Um, and we prefer it that way for various reasons. Um, number one, um, there are always um, legal and tax implications. And in our case, if we do house sit overseas, um, also uh, immigration, um, things that we need to consider. Um, so we don't want to get into trouble and being, you know, risking that we are being expelled from the country we're in. Uh, that's just not worth it. Um, and the other point as well is um, we actually enjoy being around um, animals and, and spending time with them. We, we, because we have such a nomadic lifestyle, we, you know, can't really have animals. It would complicate things way more. Um, and so that's for us kind of our animal fix um having having the houses uh, and plus also i mean for example we've been doing more farms since lately and we found it's they hugely appreciate the farmers you know working hard the whole whole year and and then having two weeks off they're so appreciative of us you know giving them the respite and the assurance that they can go away and their animals are looked after so it's for us a bit of kind of that part of giving back as well um yeah and plus also i mean um we found that about a third of our costs of our expenses are accommodation costs. So um, just by doing the house, it's, we already have a benefit. So that's a win-win for, for both the home homeowners or pet owners. And for us, you know, we save, save on accommodation costs as well. Most of our listeners um, run businesses where they may do house sits where they owners will pay for their, their services to come and sit there. They're not usually for long-term stays like you do. So someone's listening to this and they're going, how do you make money from this to still travel and to do all of these things? I know you mentioned that you had worked some time to save and build up to that, but you know, you've been doing this for several years now. What, what does that look like for you if you're not being paid to sit these houses? Well, I guess the good thing about our lifestyle is that it doesn't cost a lot. And so therefore, 
Mm. We don't have to earn a lot of money to be able to pay for that lifestyle. In fact, we've worked it out over the last few years that we've, we've been nomadic. And no matter which continent we're in, whether it be uh, um, Europe in 2019 or New Zealand or in, in um, the Americas uh, before that, our, our annual budget is around $55,000 in, in, in um, Australian. So that's about 40 something, $42,000 US um, for the two of us to live the life that we live, which covers things like accommodation and, and leisure and transport, et cetera. It covers everything apart yeah. from our business expenses. So uh, so we know what it costs to live the life, and so therefore we just need to work out how do we make that amount of money um, to, be able to, to be able to cover it. So what happened before we, we finished our corporate roles and, and leading up to that, we knew that we were going to be nomadic, so therefore um, we worked on uh, saving um, developing, uh, developing a strategic plan for an, our investments. Uh, we sold our house in Sydney, uh, which at the time was a, was a great capital gain for us and, and uh, a windfall in terms of uh, the, the yeah. house prices in, in the market. So those things have all helped us in terms of uh, having passive uh, investments to be able to, to cover uh, a lot of the expenses during the year. Yeah. We also had, a, up until recently, before COVID hit, or we, we we sold uh, an investment property recently in a short term rental which we couldn't or didn't want to sustain uh, because we didn't know how long COVID would impact um, visitor arrivals here in New Zealand um, and a large part um, for the international visitors. So it was a place in Queenstown, which is kind of the adventure capital of New Zealand. Um, so yeah, we sold that, but up until we did that, um, we obviously had some income from from those visitor arrivals as well and, and guests that stayed with us. Um, what else? And, uh, and every now and then, I mean, it's also the opportunity for us to earn some extra money um, for the odd jobs here and there. And our, and our website. And obviously yeah. through our website, uh, which is where we um, promote minimalism and promote uh, values-based living, uh, we, we have uh, courses on there um, that we promote. Um, and we, we have affiliate marketing. And obviously uh, we, we're asked to review uh, certain services and products. And it's a little bit difficult for us because obviously the niche that we're in, we're not into promoting products that we don't need. So there's a bit of a catch twenty two here. Yeah, we are only we are only um, talking about or reviewing products that we actually use and that we would be happy to recommend, you know, to friends and family. Um, so that obviously limits it, and therefore our website doesn't earn as much as we'd like to. But that's okay with us, you know. I mean, we we don't. We're fortunately not in a position that we have to do. Um, everything and kind of sell our soul because that's what we not would want would not want to do. I think that gets back to your why for doing this. You wanted to mm. live the life that you wanted to, and so this is kind of integrated in everything that you're doing, even when it comes to how you earn your money and where you travel and how this works. Is that okay? We Absolutely need to stay true right. to ourselves whenever we are putting this these pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, that, that that's that's an an intrinsic component to the way we live our life and if we don't live our life um truly then how can we talk to other people about that yeah. so this is this is a core component uh to our value system that we have and and it's nothing more or less than what other people have we're just really strong in terms of our conviction to what is important to us yeah you mentioned the term value-based living um how does that manifest in our lives and and how we operate? And I guess I guess backing way up, like how do we even find our values to start from and living according to them? 
Yeah, and it's interesting. We, we've done some uh, analysis in the last uh, little while about um, the term values because I think in, in America you see values as being a uh, maybe a term that's used more at the uh, at the um, the family level or a conservative level or a religious level in terms of uh, what uh, you know what, when you start to talk about values. So maybe if we talk about um, uh, intentionality, um, living with intention, living or having intentional um, uh, uh, intentions themselves, um, that's what we're talking about. Like, what is true to you? What is important to you? Um, uh, what will you not compromise on? Mm. And so it's a matter of what are your whys? How do you live your life? And it's not so much uh, working out what you want to be it's, or, or, or what, is it, what is important to you in the future. It's what are you doing right now? Because when you look at what you're doing right now, you can see what your values are. It may be something like honesty. It may be something like integrity or fun. Or you might like going partying. And so, therefore, going out there and partying as a, as a 20-year-old may be really important to you. Um, and that's part of your value system. That's important, and you don't want to give that up. And it, values change also through our lifetime. Paul just mentioned, you know, in your 20s, you, you like fun. And, and that's all fine, you know. I, I guess um, what's important is that people look back um, at different stages of their lives. That if, if what's important to them or what they thought was important to them you know, 10 years ago is still important to them now, 10 years on. Um, a good exercise to do is actually to think about, you know, um, write down words, what is what feels important to you. Is it family? Is it is it your health? You know, um, write it down, but also equally think about kind of um, when you are in certain situations, what, what causes your, your tummy to kind of nod up and what are you not happy with? What um, what is a situation you don't want to recover, have in your life too, too often? So kind of you, you figure out what is important or on the flip side, what you don't want to have in your life this way. So it needs a bit of self-work. Um, and um, one of our free of a free course that we put on our website is exactly a, a values exercise, how you can determine what's important to you. Um, it, yeah, as I said, it, it requires a bit of work, but it's so important to to do that exercise or to do to do that self-work because we only have one life. Right. You know, we, we shouldn't be living someone else's life just because, you know, that is what everyone else does, you know, buy a house, have a job, have children, etc. That might not actually suit you. You know, it's important for you to work out what's important in your life and how you want to live your life. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Criticizers has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can get 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com forward slash confessional. When we're running our businesses, we have to struggle with how we structure our businesses, how we set our time up during the day of, am I going to be operating from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m.? Am I going to take breaks? Am I going to take weekends off? Am I going to have time for my family? So these, yeah. these things that you're talking about of going, okay, what are, what, what are you want? What do you want in life? What do you want? And then every time you have to make a decision, does that get you closer to those or does it take you further away? 
and and when you have that aligned like it it sounds you know like when you guys put your why together it led you down the path of nomadic house sitting and traveling full-time other people may do that and it may align with something completely different and i think what's beautiful about that is that's totally fine it's just that that's on us that that's our work that we have to do and aligning not just our personal lives but our business and everything that 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 entails a lot of that comes down to um what you know and what you don't know Mm. and so you don't know what you don't know you don't you know things that you know so it's really important that as individuals we've we come um, through our life with different histories we interact etc so there's no judgment what other people do uh, at one point in time is important right then and in five years time and ten years time they may change mm. um, I'm sure that uh, 20 years ago Sandra and I would not have got together as a couple because we'd have been very different back then um, um, and, and as we change over time it's quite important so when it comes to things like work uh, and, and, and small business working particularly What's important right now is it may be the fact that you want to get your name out there or you want to make sure your reputation, you've got a five-star reputation or you want to um, get as many clients as you possibly can. So it's all priorities of what's important, but as long as it's aligned to that, that values system that you've got in place already. So actions follow values. Yeah. Values follows the why. So without the why, it's very difficult to actually achieve an end result. You know, your website is titled Minimalist Journeys. And I love that because I think it means a lot of things for different people. So so what does that mean for you? And why did you decide to, to name it that? Um, I answered that because I came sure. up with a name. <laughs> um, I, I think there are def- different reasons why, why Minimalist Journeys. Um, firstly, um, we, as with the 2012 trip, we like to explore the world, learning about different cultures, um, improving our language skills, trying different cuisines, all that, that sort of thing. So the traveling is a huge part of our life now and, and to some extent was also in the past. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the the, the, the journey is kind of uh, coming out of the, the result of us minimalizing or minimizing our, our life. So that's kind of the minimalist journeys. If yeah. you're looking at our logo on our website, um, the journeys is the the bold part, and the minimalist is the the, the normal regular font part, uh, because we're reducing to you know achieve more. Our logo is also experience more by living with less, um, or our catch line. So that's that part. Um, the other part is min- uh, journeys of people to and with minimalism are always different. Um, so everyone has a very unique journey, and we. Also write about it on on our website a bit. Um, what people, you know, got started on their minimalist journey, um, and it's an ongoing part, process. It's not kind of something that you know you declutter your home and 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 that's it. You know, it's it's it takes different turns as you discover. You know, your home is cleaner. Suddenly, I've got more time to do other things, etc. Um, so that part we also wanted to reflect in our name, the, you know, that it is a journey, that it is an ongoing process, that it is different for everyone. Well, and, and you touched on it there because I think when many people hear the term minimalist or minimalism, they think uh, I need to do some decluttering um, or I have 100 books and I'm going to get rid of 90 of them and now I have 10 books. Um, but it's more about it's more than just getting rid of stuff, right? So what, why, why is the process of reducing the stuff so important? Yeah, that's an interesting one. And, that, and that's certainly the case uh, we've found in, in America and um, in, in most Western societies that, that decluttering is the first 
component of minimalism that people think about. Um, and it is a pretty important one because decluttering, whether it be in a home environment or a digital environment or uh, at work or your your friends, uh, how many Facebook friends you've got, et cetera, um, all those things you need to consider decluttering. Mm. And it's to remove um, the, the clutter, the things, so therefore you've got time for the more important things in life. Um, so without actually removing those things, um, you won't have time or headspace to be able to think about what's actually important. So having 100 books in your house may actually be really important. And it's the sort of thing that we say to people, don't get rid of those books if they actually provide value to you. If you, they are important to you, if that part of your, your thinking that having a book in the house and having a physical book in the house is important, because we don't want to see people remove things that, uh, that give them happiness and give them content, contentment. So um, it's important that they actually understand the why they want to remove things or be a minimalist before they even start the journey. What are you right. trying to achieve out of it? Yeah, it's, it's certainly not about living with a certain amount of things or depriving yourself and having a home that kind of has nothing in it. Um, if the home, if your home and, and having a comfortable home is important to you, you know, have memorabilia, have things on the walls. You know, it's, it's not about an amount of, of things. It's about what is important to you and and aligning your life with that that perspective. Yeah. It is actually interesting. Um, it's one of the things that we talk to homeowners about when um, we're doing the interview and, and, and talking to them um, when we're going to be looking after their pets. Um, it's the question of um, if there was a fire in their house mm. or if there was an emergency in their house, what are the things that you want us to grab out of your house before we leave the house? Mm. And obviously, the pet. obviously <laughs> the, the number one thing is, is, uh, is, my, is my, my pet poodle or, or my, my little fluffy cat. Um, and then they go, oh, my photos or, or my documents, et cetera. But in fact, you know, with proper insurance, um, as long as you've got uh, people and the animals out of the house, the house can burn down. It shouldn't really matter what's actually in the house because you, you for us, again, it's a, a lesson we try to try to help people with and, and encourage is you should be able to not come back to your house. Um, you should have your things digitized. You should have your photos in the cloud. Your, um, there shouldn't be that many physical things in your house that are that important that we've got to go back in there and rescue in a fire. Yeah, I mean, should sounds a bit harsh, but uh, well. it's it's um, something to consider, um, you know. And and that asking yourself those questions, you know, in in terms of what's important to me. If you really bring it down, is you know your loved ones, your <laughs> yes. your animals, and and maybe a few things that that really are irreplaceable in in terms of you know physical things. But that's it, you know. A lot of the you know, your big couch and your big car and, and whatnot is, is not actually, turns out, that important. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, th- I'm sitting here looking over here and I've got a couple typewriters um, So uh, <laughs> that were like my grandmas and my great-grandpas and like things like that. Where I'm going, you know what? Exactly. Like, those, bring, those do bring me joy. I like having those around the house. Um, yeah. Would they be the first things I save in the fire? Probably not. But we all have those things in life where we don't even have to think about it. We just know. You know, if you have, if you have a pet, and someone calls you and say, your pet just got hit by a car. You don't have to pull out your list and go, well, let's see, where is that priority today? And oh, I'm pretty booked. And oh, I don't know. Like, you don't have to go through that process. You just you just know no. that, right? And, and that's yeah. where, when we're talking about 
minimalist here. We're talking minimizing. It's not minimizing everything. It's minimizing the things that prevent us from gaining access to our why and living in, in more alignment with that so that we are not distracted by that. And, and I love, Paul, how you had said even headspace, too, of, of the things in life that clutter our mind and keep us distracted and, and even reducing those so that we can be living yeah. in the moment or with the people that we want to be. How many people work really, really long hours and uh, don't get to, you know, enjoy what actually is important to them and was the case for me. Um, but then you also don't have the opportunity if you work those long hours and are always exhausted to actually think about how you want to live your life. So yeah, start with removing the stuff that's actually not important. Many of us are not in the stage of life or we're not ready to, or we're not able to be fully nomadic, minimalist living out of backpacks. So what are some ways that we can start experiencing more with less right now? The first thing is to look at the circumstances that you're in right now. Um, being present is probably the most important advice we can give you. Being mindful of your surroundings and the people in your life. Um, so no matter whether you've got small kids or many dogs or huge amount of possessions, it's actually stopping and not worrying about what happened before, what happened in the future. It's the right here and now. And taking that time on a daily basis to just being present, the breathing, the, the thinking about your life right now, appreciating what you have right now at the end of the day, those are the things to start off because then you can start moving forward from there. So that are very, very tiny things at, at a habit level that you start off doing. Another thing that, um, you know, in any situation you could apply is, and particularly with COVID now and, and people being restricted in their movements, is to think about, okay, how could I, for example, have a nice a nice day out when it's it's sunny with my family and do something we all enjoy, but that doesn't cost very much? You know, you'd be surprised how much opportunity there is in your neighborhood or in, you know in a, a, an hour's car drive away to 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 do something that either costs nothing or costs very little. You know, maybe an entrance fee to a national park, but it doesn't have to be always. You know the uh, we've been talking about travel, for example, the the, the visit to Disneyland or, or 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 you know a big cruise ship cruise uh, ship um, tour or, or big overseas trip. You know, start small and realize actually can really enjoy yourself um, even with the small things. To to Paul's point, in terms of the the, the actual presence, there's so much beauty around us. Just mm. You know, by by enjoying it and stopping it and smelling the roses, you actually realize how much there is and. And also over time, realize that, you know, at home cleaning, you know, cleaning the, the kitchen or, or, or keeping the, the big house clean and, and with all the stuff that's around, that distracts from that. You know, maybe I don't want to spend my weekend doing that, but rather be out in nature and kind of get the ball rolling like that way. Very reminiscent of busy days, long hours, you know, as pet sitters and dog walkers, we put in sometimes 12, 14 hours a day, um, back to back to back to back to back visits, especially right now, things are booming, tons of people are traveling. And we're just busy, right? And that busyness can start making us feel a little bit claustrophobic, not just because we are now in a box where I can't do the things that I want to be doing, because I might my, my I'm very time constrained now. But also mentally, I don't have that time. I know, Sandra, you said that. I don't have the time to think about these things. I don't have time to, to, to address my why. And so what I hear both of you saying is, is to start with just very simple things, to start being intentional about it, to be intentional with my time and my actions. And, and you know, start, start little, start really small with you know, how am I planning my breakfast? 
How am I planning my breaks? How am I planning my phone usage? How am I planning my purchases? These little habits that will build up, like it's a it's a muscle that we have to to learn to to start working. Yeah, and and also with that, once you've actually got that habit in place for yourself, is is making sure you celebrate it. That, you know, mm. it's the fact that you're able to to say meditate, you know, uh, seven days in a row, or or even just that one day, you know, uh, you know, appreciate yourself. So it's almost a, a, a double whammy. You're actually achieving something. But then you're also going, oh, I've actually done something for myself. And that's a really nice thing. It's actually a two-prong attack. And that helps you keep that habit going to, um, longer and longer because you're actually uh, achieving the, 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 the double whammy. Yeah, I mean, we do that same thing when we focus on weight loss or becoming stronger or running marathons or when we focus on our physical body. We do that all the time, right? We'll post the pictures on Facebook or we'll share them with friends and family and like, look at how much weight I've lost. But you're right. How rarely do we actually sit there and go, you know what? I was able to meditate or I was able to pray for 15 minutes today. That, mm-hmm. that, for some reason, that kind of achievement really isn't as held in as high as esteem as other things in our world. Yeah. 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 And this is a particularly important one. And it's, and it's part of the philosophy of how to build up the habits that you, that you want to have is to be able to, for yourself, celebrate to yourself. Could be a high five to yourself or, or a cheer or a, or a, or a eyebrow raise yeah you know, once you've done it um yeah. or whatever it is but but celebrating in, internally is is more important than your social media posts of i've done it yeah um so so if you know you need to actually um appreciate what you do before other people appreciate what you do yeah. mm. what always helps is for example before you go to bed say look at the back at the day and mm. you know there may have been experiences where you thought that was not that was not you know that didn't work as as planned but then if you really think about it, there would have been also occasions where, you know, good things happened on that day. And rather than leaving on a note um, when going to bed where, oh, yeah, I'm just focusing on the negative, focus on the positive and, and say thanks for those and then go to bed um, right. and hopefully sleep then without having those negative thoughts in your mind. In fact, we do a little of that when, we, when we've got the animals and, and looking after the animals. It's, it's um, probably the day after we've, we've finished with a, uh, a pet sit um, where it's like, Wow, it's just an appreciation of what we've just had. It might be a two-week thing or or or, or a week uh, sit, but it's just that whole thing of like what was important with that dog or that or the cat or what do we like about it is mm. just reinforcing the message to ourselves. But it's also then part of the review process and all the rest of it that we're doing. But it's just that whole thing of like, wow, that was so cool. And what do we like about them? It's, it, there's there's something to like about everything. You just yeah. got to find it. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Of of where does the, our validation come from as individuals? And you know, if we're running a business, many times we may feel like we're not legitimate, right? We're not good enough. We we're constantly failing. But taking these few minutes of mindfulness practices and reflecting back on things that we did accomplish, or maybe it's just the growth that we've had over the past five years of doing this and going, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine that people, you know, let me within a mile and a half of their pet 10 years ago when I started or whatever, that, right? <laughs> right? Like it's, it's, you can take those time to appreciate that growth because I, I love how you said that of before we can start sharing it to others and seeking their validation, we have to make sure that, that we prize our validation above and beyond because what if you didn't share it with somebody? Is it any more illegit? Is it any more legitimate whether you share it or not? Like, does if a tree falls in the forest and and nobody's there to hear it, does it still fall? And same thing with our our personal accomplishments. You, I, I absolutely love that. Now, you are both uh, currently in New Zealand house sitting, so I would love for you to tell us about the house sitting community in New Zealand and what that's like. Pre COVID, um, certainly it was um, quite busy uh, with the 
Kiwis that go away on holiday, they normally go away for two to three to four weeks at a time overseas because they want to be able to visit other cultures and other countries. So we found that the, the length of time for the sits was a lot longer. Um, during COVID uh, and during lockdowns, obviously there was there was no work at all. There was no there were no house sits, and everybody pretty much stayed at home. Stayed at home uh, as in as in place. Yeah. But uh, certainly in the last uh, six months or so, when it's opened up, uh, we've found um, we've still got restrictions in place in New Zealand at, at the moment. Uh, we it was difficult to go overseas and, and come back without having to do the quarantine, fourteen day quarantine. So the Kiwis would go away. Uh, and, and explore their own country. Uh, and it's not a very big country, but it's, they've certainly explored their own country. So the house sits were certainly shorter um, and, and more of them, um, obviously concentrating around um, key public holiday periods, uh, school holidays, et cetera. Uh, yeah, there'd be a lot of uh, demand for house sitters um, and uh, during the other time, less so. Yeah, between five, five and seven days or maybe up five to ten days is kind of, the norm currently um it's getting a little bit longer since the border with australia has been opened mm. um but yeah that's that's kind of what we find um the good thing is house sitting is very prevalent in, in new zealand which it isn't it isn't in some other countries um so there are heaps of opportunities once kind of the, the world returns to some of a degree of normality um but for example um as a house sitter, you have to be fairly quick um, to apply for house sits because there is a lot of competition. You know, once there are lots of overseas travelers in the country again, um, the competition will increase again um, for house sits. Mm. What else? And it's not common here to, to pay either. Um, mm. So if someone came here with the intent to earn money from the house sitting, um, New Zealand wouldn't be a country to, to attend that. That said, there are there are professional pet sitters um, in New Zealand. It's, it's, a, it's a smaller market, a much smaller yeah. market, and you'll find that they're not so much pet sitting, but they might be pet, um, more dog walkers yeah, sure. um, type of thing. So you normally find the dog walking service is here, absolutely, in, in the, um, the bigger towns or bigger cities. Um, but in terms of um, uh, overall pet sitting uh, during the day, uh, you'll probably find that the, there's more uh, of the kennels um, or, or the professional ones who have actually got the uh, the places where you take your animal for the day and then yeah. come back and pick it's called, it up. Called doggy daycare. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what they call them over in the states. So doggy doggy daycare in New Zealand is a prevalent term. Yeah. When you are looking for 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 house sit opportunities, um, where do you turn to? Uh, do you have things that you look for that are red flags that immediately turn you off or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, when we, when we look at, um, at um, advertisements, so we use a, a website called um, Kiwi House Sitters over here. Um, we know that trusted house sitters, for example, is quite often used in the US and internationally, but um, we find Kiwi House Sitters um, is the website where we find most of our house sits here in New Zealand. Um, so when it is an advertisement, we, we look at the photos, we look at the, the, the um, advertisement itself in terms of what does it say about the, the animal, how many animals are there, you know, can we realistically manage that? Um, even if one of us, say, got sick, uh, which we had recently, where Paul had to look after the animals for a period of time himself. Mm. Um, and, and those kind of things. Is it is it actually something that we would be enjoy doing? Is it in a, a region that we have say either haven't been to and would like to explore, or is it somewhere where we happen to have other commitments and I just would like would would work nicely 
um, to to you know have that be a, be at location and 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 say safe on accommodation costs. Um, so all those aspects kind of play into us selecting a house. That, um, and as I said, we have to be fairly quick. We then apply um, and and um, kind of underpin or, or point out kind of why we would be a good fit for that house. Set. Um, in terms of red flags, um, we had some some not so great experiences, um, like a flea infested house, for example. Um, but uh, we've learned from that um, in the sense that we now um, either meet the people in person, um, buy the house, you know, meet the homeowners, meet the meet the animals um, beforehand, or do that via a, a video call. Um, we didn't do this in the case of the flea infested house. We just had a phone call, and it was our mistake. Um, but yeah, you 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 live and learn. You you have those experiences, and you, we always question ourselves afterwards. Okay, how could we have prevented that experience? What is, does it mean for future houses? Kind of what questions do we need to ask, or how do we need to change our approach accordingly so that we don't have that experience again? How do you do that review process? Because I feel like that's super important, not just, um, you know, when you finish the house sit, but I'm also thinking of in when we're running businesses and we're taking on clients or some a mishap happens, like, how do you do that, that personal review and reflection on that experience and, and turn it into something that is going to benefit you moving forward? Yeah, I guess the biggest thing for us is, and again, as this comes back to our, our, our values approach, is, is the honesty component. Um, it's mm. sometimes very hard to be upfront and honest with your clients uh, and talking to them about their their um, badly behaving animal or um, their house that, that, that doesn't suit or is, is not equipped enough uh, for the animal or um, the yard that isn't fenced off, but they still expect the, the, the animal to be able to go outside to do its business. So, you know, um, we look at it uh, initially from the from the animal's point of view in terms of, you know, can we keep that animal happy? And if we can't, if, they, if we've got to do things that are beyond our experience, beyond our control, um, we would certainly point it out to the, the homeowner because it's not just a review for the homeowner to let them know of how we how um, they can do things better, but it's for the next um, house sitter or pet sitter mm. in the future. We're letting them know what's what they can look forward to, and we want we would want the same thing because mm. we look at reviews um, quite intently when we're choosing uh, a, a house sit. So it, it works both ways, forward and forward and back. Yeah, mm. and also we have every now and then we have people approach us, homeowners approaching us. Um, you know, they're going away for conference and they want us to look after a dog, for example, we had recently. Um, we met the house, uh, the homeowner, we met the pet, I talked to her for a walk, it, it was a dog. Um, but we we felt that um, their approach or their idea of us looking after the dog for that conference period would have not been in the best interest of the dog. The dog had anxiety issues and, and, and whatnot. And um, so we basically pointed that out and declined, you know, um, politely declined and told them, you know, we don't think what you are planning to do with us looking after the dog is the right thing to do for the dog because of X, Y, Z. And and um, we'd be happy to look after the dog at some stage, but not under these circumstances. Um, so we try to be, you know, as, as upfront and honest with people. Some people don't like that. Uh, and and you know don't talk to us afterwards anymore but it is also fine you know i mean we don't want to do something firstly that is doesn't sit right with us that make, makes us coming back to that stomach feeling that makes us feel uncomfortable 
but it's also not right for the animal mm. uh, animal's welfare. And when you're caring for somebody's home and for their furry family member, you, you never want to have to be apologizing on the back end. You always want to be honest and saying no up front, right? Say that honest no yeah. instead of having to apologize later because it was over your head or because things did get out of hand or because it, you know, these things came up. Yeah, it was it was interesting. We had a uh, situation a few months back where we had uh, we had to look after eight dogs. Uh, they were working dogs on, on a farm, and the owner had given us a, a, an instructions uh, verbally uh, when we were doing the handover. Luckily, I'd actually recorded it. I'd, I'd taken a video of him telling me which dog ate which food at which time, and so the dogs had a had a, a variety of, of dietary requirements and and uh, had a puppy to look after as well. And it was in that sort of situation, for, even for, at a review point of view, when we're, when we're communicating with them 24 hours later or 48 hours later, reconfirming the instructions that we're given. Because at that point in time, I didn't feel comfortable that I understood exactly what he meant. Uh, he'd, he'd left one of the dogs off in terms of his, his regime, so I didn't know what food to give him. Um, you know, And so it was that whole thing of like it's clarification and making sure I understand those instructions really well so that it's um, I'm doing what, what they want. And even though they may have thought that they'd given me the instructions correctly, it's that whole thing of reconfirming um, the position because yeah. the last thing I want is that dog to get the wrong dog food and then getting sick and or, getting sick yeah. or, or not getting any dog food at all because I left them off. Outlining expectations and clarifying if you have any questions. Again, like just being upfront, like I, I didn't quite catch that. Could you go over it one more yeah. time? Because you're right, when homeowners and when pet owners are going through their process, their methodology, it is literally second nature to them and they barely think about it, right? I don't, I, I don't know how many times this has happened to you when you say, how much do they eat? And they give you this blank stare, like, well, they, they just eat how much they eat, right? I don't understand the question even. And you're like, okay, I need you to like oh, because draw a line yeah. on a cup. <laughs> or, or yeah, or they say, oh, it gets, it gets he, or I love this where they say he gets a cup. And you're like, is that a measuring cup? Is that a drinking cup? Where? And many times it's, oh, well, we got this one cup in, from this restaurant in 1992, and that's just what we feed our dogs with, right? And you're just like, I have... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I was in the drawer with all the other cups. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, so, and there's so there's no harm in double checking with the client because our goal is to give them peace of mind, make sure their pets are well cared for, and everything runs smoothly and without error and and, and issues. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, right? That's that's what we want. Yeah, it's not, and it's not bad intent on their side. You know, oftentimes they are kind of on the way to doing a holiday and they need to pack and, and kind of think right. of thousands of other things and forget then about the animals and providing detailed instructions for those. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of funny. It's, it's that the owner goes away and we're looking after their house. And when we come back, our relationship is with the animal. Um, and so therefore the homeowner is um, an hour beforehand and an hour afterwards. And that's it. So we, our relationship, that connection that we have is is never with the homeowner. It's always with the animal and, and and so therefore it's that um it's, and they it's, and they can't tell the owners yes they've been great or not yeah only like if they're still happy wagging their tail or, or you know um that is kind of an indication that they've been treated well and, and looked after well so yeah although we found that a lot of the time with, with um when we've uh, done the dog walking or the dog running um the dogs are a lot fitter at yeah. the end of their their time with us and uh, the homeowners have always um, commented on this. It's like, Not you, know, you know, they they say to us, you know, can you please take the dog twice a day for you know five kilometers? 
Uh, and it's like you can tell after the first day that the homeowner never, ever takes their dog twice a day for five kilometres. <laughs> it's just so funny. So when we do it, because they that's do what get the five they get, they get the five. <laughs> <laughs> so the dog oh. is so fit at the end of that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It 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 is it is outlining those expectations, and it is so interesting to hear that kind of that kind of like uh, it's it's what they say versus what's actually happening. And sometimes you're right. And then again, if they if just just ask questions to clarify that because what you don't want to have is at the end of it, them be frustrated with something that happened that you didn't clarify. Are you a member of Petzers International? PSI is the largest educational association for professional pet sitters and dog walkers with a mission to promote pet sitting excellence through education. After the tumultuous past year, having the support of a strong community and direct access to educational resources and business tools is more important than ever as we rebuild our businesses. PSI is here to help. With a free monthly member toolkit, monthly bonus resources, online trainings, private member Facebook group, and more, along with group rates on insurance and background checks, PSI is one-stop shop for everything you need for your pet sitting or dog walking business. As an educational association, PSI believes that if you know better, you'll do better and invites you to join thousands of other like-minded professionals who are committed to offering the best possible pet care services and elevating our industry. If this sounds like you, visit petsit.com slash PSC to learn more. Our listeners can save $15 off your first year membership by using promo code PSC15 at checkout. Do you get feedback from homeowners about their satisfaction with your service and, and what they liked or didn't? I, I guess the first part is is during the, the stay itself, during the during the um, home set, is our communication process is quite uh, strict. It's you know twenty four hours after um, we are there um, with the animals, we we will always give them an update. The, the homeowner via text or or messenger or will send a photo of us with the, with the animal. Just know that you know after 24 hours they're still alive, yeah. um, and then we sort of spread it out depending on how long we're there for. So that communication through the the text is quite important, and and talking about the good things and the bad things in terms of the animals being a, a good or behaving well or settled in nicely. Um, so our communication to them, there to theirs to us is obviously yeah we're on holiday, the sun's shining, and we're sitting on the beach with a pina colada, and it's great. Thank you very much. Don't disturb us again. <laughs> yeah, but, we always ask how much information they actually want and kind of make it because yeah they're on holiday. We don't necessarily want to bam- bamboozle no. them with with you know um, their animals stuff happening at home. Yeah, kind of, that's not yeah. important. Yeah, yeah, only if they want to. Yeah. yeah, and then it's a matter of um, making sure that that afterwards, from from the review point of view, you know, you got the information right. So it's just just good communication, and part of that starts right from the beginning of the interview. How did you get on with the the homeowners? Do they like our philosophy of things? And so, therefore, we can sort of see what they're like as as homeowners as well. If there's if there's some sort of synergy there. Yeah, and we get obviously reviews after, so I always try to get reviews from them, um, written reviews that. Um, uh, either on the, on the um, house sitting website um, to share or on our own website, yeah. um, so that we can use it as references for future for future houses. Have you ever received a, a negative review? And if so, how did you process that and and deal with with that kind of feedback? No, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, good question. I don't know. I mean, um, I think probably if we were to get a negative. Um, review we would think, think about um okay what does that mean and m- maybe if it's something we disagree with or, or don't understand to ask to get a better understanding and ask them okay how could we have done it better than 
not necessarily in a forwards and backwards in writing, but maybe even giving them a call and mm. say, okay, you were not satisfied with this or this was a problem. Yeah. How can we improve that going yeah. forward? We, Colin, to be honest, we've only ever had five-star reviews. Yeah. We've never had anything less than that. So we don't, we don't know what it's like to get a, a negative review yeah. and to have to deal with that. But right. I think we would know in our own heart if we didn't feel, if we weren't doing the right thing or if something had happened, an incident had happened perhaps. Mm. Um, we've never, well, actually, no, we have had, I was going to say, we've never had an animal die on us. Yes, we have had. Um, but there was an animal. <laughs> there was an animal that was born on our watch oh, as well. Yeah. We, we, we were looking after sheep. So we had um, uh, 18 sheep to look after in the middle of winter <laughs> and the, the, the baby lambs weren't meant to turn up until spring, but they, 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 did, turn up. they did turn up. And so we oh. had lambs being born on our shift. Oh um, and we tried to bottle feed one or, or, or yeah, yeah. supplementary feed and it didn't make it through yeah. the night. So, mm. yeah, it was not. We tried our best. <laughs> yeah, so apart, apart from that one, one little lamb who's a day old or two days old, We've never lost. We've never lost one on our shift. Yeah. Knock on wood. <laughs> well, I think part of that too is credited to your process in screening the clients and screening the homeowners, right? Of being again, we've talked about intentionality, being intentional of that, asking good questions, seeing if they are going to jive with your philosophy, and in really working through that process, being very intentional through that entire thing, and not just being flippant about it. Of going, oh, I'll say yes, and we'll figure it out on the back end. Like we have yeah. these, these processes. There are meant to. It's meant to make sure we're a good fit. It's meant to protect us. It's meant to protect the homeowner. And they're, they're there for a reason. And I feel many people can get uh, frustrated with having processes in place like, oh, it's too structured or, oh, there are too many steps. Steps are good. Steps are good mm-hmm. not just for, the, for your client or for the homeowner that you bring on, but they're good for you so that you don't get ahead of yourself or you don't start saying yes to things that you shouldn't be saying yes to. Yeah, we, we found in the beginning with our, um, with our lack of experience we put too many processes in place and it was quite interesting. I think we had a, we had a, a three-step written um, process for them to fill out. Um, and in the end, yeah. it, uh, we, we condensed it down into the one document, which is the questionnaire application uh, form. And we use that as our handover document as well. And we find that with that handover document, there are questions that are raised in there through our experience. So we've had to put the question in there to ask, uh, you know, to find out this information. Yeah. But we've also found that, um, in providing them with this structured questionnaire, they have a, a greater degree of confidence in us knowing what we're doing because of this structured um, process that we have in place, all these questions that we ask that other house sitters hadn't asked them in the past. It does kind of help sell yourself to them when they're looking for, like, oh, wow, these people are taking this very seriously. This, yeah. is, this is very meaningful for them. I, I, I can trust these people or I can learn more yeah. about them. It does... you. you it's part of this, you know, communicating or this marketing that you're doing. It's not just in the bio that you have or the photos that you have posted or your website. It's in the processes. It's all part of that experience that they're having. You're selling them throughout that entire time about, you know, to pick you over somebody else. And it's also about, you know, we taking on a responsibility and we take that responsibility very serious. And, and you know, by having those processes in place and asking those questions, we signal that that seriousness about. Um, you know, taking on that responsibility. And, and the importance of their pet. Exactly. Mm. Now, I, I know you have these processes in place, um, but things do happen. You've already mentioned a few of them. So so what are some of the, the house sits that didn't quite go according to plan? Well, I suppose, um, I suppose with, with COVID, it's an, an interesting one, isn't it? Um, recently, uh, at the end of a, a one-month sit, um, two days before the end, um, we went into uh, lockdown again. Um, so we'd had a lot of freedom in New Zealand and, and the ability to move around. 
But just before the end of one split and five days before the next, um, the country uh, had a spike in community cases. And so the area that we were in had to go into lockdown the next morning at 6 a.m. So yeah. this was a situation where we're two days before we finished one, we're five days before the next one, and the next one was uh, six hours drive away. So we had to very quickly ask our current homeowner, can we leave the property now to be able to escape? And at two o'clock in the morning, we drove for hours to get out of the uh, the region that we we're in where the, the lockdown was happening, to be able to get out of this region, just be able to get down to the next homeowner because they were a little bit panicky. They booked their trip, they made all the plans, et cetera, and they were like, oh, no, our, our um, house sitter isn't going to be able to get through to us. So they, we had to work with both homeowners at, uh, I think it was 10, 10, o'clock at night. 10 o'clock at night saying, well, you know, we've been told the lockdown's at 6 a.m. the next morning. Um, what do we do about it? Yeah. yeah. So, and in this instance, as well, it was actually the homeowners of the house that we had done that contacted us immediately when it was announced on, on, on TV, the, the restrictions. Um, because we had, they had actually asked us if we wanted to, if we were okay to extend our stay by two days. He would have finished the following morning anyway. So, oh. but we said, yeah, we stay two days longer, but we couldn't now do that anymore. So they said, don't worry about it. We get a neighbor to look after those animals. Hmm. Um, you go out, you make sure that you can make your other commitments, and and um, we worked it out from there. So it it again, it comes down to communication, and we had a good. Good communication level and, and good connection with the with the owners where we at the house where we are where we were at. It was just a tough drive at two o'clock in the morning to drive for hours to try and escape <laughs> the, we felt the, like the lockdown. Yeah. We felt like criminals trying to get out of because they would put you know barricades in place, um, road roadblocks in place to let people get out of Auckland. Yeah, it's not it's not like in the states where you can walk across your your state boundaries quite nicely in New Zealand. Um, we have similar sort of areas or regions, but uh, they. This is probably the first time they'd actually put roadblocks in place, stopping people from leaving leaving the area if oh. you weren't going home to your house. And we're we're, we're nomadic. <laughs> we don't have a house. We don't have an address to be able to say we're going to the next place. Yeah. We don't have anything like that. Yeah. So that was certainly a, an interesting situation for us. Um, last year we had um, with COVID as well. We we had a house that where people took a, a cruise ship trip. Um, around New Zealand and then across to Australia. Um, and it was like literally in the midst of all the lockdowns starting to happen um, mm. and all the border restrictions to kick in. And um, after a week of their trip, they decided at their last stop in New Zealand, now we're not going to head to Australia because then we have to go into quarantine over there. We stop our trip now. And then suddenly in the morning, they told us, no, we're turning up this afternoon. Um, they did offer us to stay longer, but the house was too small for us to you know, sit it out the, the, the other week that we hadn't been able to do. Mm. And so we were without accommodation suddenly within hours and had to find, okay, what are we doing now? We need to book a flight back to, you know, to Auckland and things like that. So mm. those kind of things do happen, but we just take them on our chin and then figure out how do we solve that. I guess from that point of view, we're quite lucky in the fact that we're very, we can be flexible. We've only got backpacks. So the ability to move from place to place is quite easy for us to do so. Um, and and how we how we deal with accommodation uh, in an emergency we've we've got down pat as well again another process. Well, so has the last year changed how you approach house sits or how you plan for them and the accommodations at all? Firstly, as we said before, they are shorter, so um, yeah. we have to you know coordinate more or plan more because we have more little bits and bobs to sort out rather than one like one long. Um, 
pronounce it. Although having said that, we are actually going to start a four-month house sit next week, uh, which is a repeat sit. We have looked after the the cat before. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, that that has changed. We had a period where we didn't have any house sits at Paul as Paul mentioned. So that's for us was then reverting back to Airbnbs where we stay. Uh, or short-term rentals where we stay in between houses. Hmm. Um, what else has changed over the last year? That's pretty much no, it. We're, yeah. we're very fortunate in New Zealand in terms of uh, we have very low cases. Um, we've had um, 23 deaths in total uh, in, New, in 26 in New Zealand. So wow. um, we've kept COVID in control, and so therefore our freedoms that we have in the country are very much appreciated, um, and we're able to move around. Yeah, there are there are times when we have had lockdowns and they've been very serious and very very short, sharp, hard lockdowns. But uh, as a country, we've we've adhered to them and and um, and benefited from it. Now, if somebody's listening to this and they are maybe interested in the world of travel house sitting and what that looks like for them, what would be your biggest piece of advice for somebody looking to get involved and get started? I think for us, it's, it's like start small um, and. You know, if you can house it or if you can look after your, your friends' animals or, or your relatives' animals, um, getting some uh, references, um, whether it be from a neighbour or a community member or uh, uh, from our, our point of view, we had uh, our real estate agent at the time um, give us a review. So if you don't have reviews, you know, the very first time that you're trying to do a house sit, get reviews from reputable people that talk about your character um, as opposed to the experience that you have with pets. Um, and having those available, uh, as well as maybe the, the police check as well, um, at least gets you started, at least gives you that confidence that people vouch for you, um, that uh, gives you some sort of credibility, because otherwise, otherwise, what credibility do you have when you first start off in that business or in that particular house sitting when you have zero experience at all? Yeah. It's also, we, we spoke about it earlier. Think about your why. Why do you want to house it? Um, you know, why, why is that something that you'd like to explore and really think about it? Um, is that something that um, is the right thing for you to do? Um, if it's about, you know, saving money, um, there are other opportunities out there. Is it, you know, it's, that shouldn't be kind of, I guess, the, the main driver, but it's, it's really giving some thought to that. And also, as Paul said, when you start without having any reviews of references um think outside the box as you mentioned you know so get people to talk about your character uh, look at experiences that that homeowners might appreciate you know have you volunteered in your community um you could give it a go if you don't know how house sitting for example is volunteer in your animal shelter um things like that so get experience small experiences beforehand and then uh, have a think about the why um, and, and also kind of when you put yourself into the homeowner's shoes, what are the things that you can tell them about you that um, makes them say, yes, this is, would be a good person that to look after my animals? Because after all, you're a complete stranger to them um, and then trusting you with their most precious, um, you know, their animals and their, and their property to look after. Yeah, and it's, it's, it can feel a little daunting to try and communicate all of that in a website and a profile. So what are, some, what are some things that homeowners are looking for or keywords that people should make sure that they have in reviews or that they point out specifically on their profiles? Yeah, that's a good one. The, uh, the, the photos, obviously, and it's a little bit like dating. It's a little bit like uh, your LinkedIn profile or your, your, your Facebook profile. You know, making sure that, that your, your 
your the single photo that, that's there is appropriate. Um, it's not you at a party with with um, you know, lots of alcohol around the place, or it's not you doing things inappropriately. It's it's the two of you um, as you would want to be when you're talking to the homeowner. You know, particularly the fact that if you're going from a stage of having a photo and then having an interview, you want to make sure that they're sort of aligned um, between the two. Um, so the the photo is unfortunately one of the things that as you scroll through and look at uh, house sitting profiles, you know, you see the people um, yeah. as they are. And, and also, you know, a smile goes a, a, a long way, um, you know, people seeing you as a, as a happy person rather than, you know, at your, at your saddest. Um, that'd be good if for, from a photo perspective. In terms of keywords, I don't think it's really about keywords. It's about um, talking about why you mm. uh, want to house it um, in, in your profile. Um, and, and as I mentioned, um, talk about um, your experiences as you build them over time. Uh, when we started out, obviously, we only looked after um, friends and families, um, animals, but we had we were house owners, we were homeowners, we had animals in the past. So we talked about that, you know, that we did have animals in the past. Mm. Um, and why we don't have animals now, and why we house it, um, you know, to have those, the, the animal fix, as I mentioned earlier. So basically, um, try to represent yourself in your profile as, as good as you can, answering kind of those questions. And and then, yeah, as I said, don't worry about keywords because it's not, it doesn't need to fit into a Google search engine. Uh, it just needs to speak to the homeowner that looks at it. Um, Certainly, that's the case if it's on a on a uh, platform. You know, if it's, yeah. if you're talking about it, your own website, different story. SEO yeah. kicks in, and and yeah, but uh, we keywords. haven't we haven't explored that. Yeah, I mean, we we have our, our um, uh, house sitting page on our website, but it's right. certainly not the the place that people go to uh, for when they're trying to find us. That's for sure. Paul and Sandra, I am very appreciative and so thankful for you taking us on your minimalist journey and encouraging us to be more intentional in our lifestyle and sharing some of your house-sitting stories and then what you've learned from them, right? And, and how to keep moving forward and always be looking for something uh, to better yourself and to, to better the world around us. So I, I know we, there's so much more to cover here and you both do a whole lot. So um, how can people get connected with you and follow along with your work? Sure, Colin. And, and, and thank you. Thank you for the invitation uh, to our talk to you today. So the, the way that people can contact us is, is generally through our website. So it's minimalistjourneys.com or through social media. And that's Min Journeys, or you can look up uh, Minimalist Journeys on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, Twitter. Perfect. And I'll have links to all those in the show notes so people can get connected to you right there. So again, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been Thanks, a pleasure Colin. actually talking to you too. There's a phrase that Paul said early in the interview of actions follow values, values follow your why. And I haven't been able to stop thinking about this since I recorded this with Paul and Sandra. In business, we talk all the time about understanding your why. Why are you in business? Why are you passionate about this? Why do you do what you do? This simple way of thinking about it is exactly why we say that all the time. Because our why influences our values and how we perceive the world, what we hold dear, what we find important. And that was the key to the point of the conversation of minimalism. Minimalism strips away all of the distractions and boils down to the essentials of what we actually want in life and what we are willing to put on the line and what we want. Then when we take those values we have actions that flow from them to protect those values. We live out our values 
through the actions in our business and in our personal life. And it's all linked back up to the why. So whether you're going to go fully nomadic and live out of your backpack and travel the globe or offer the best possible pet care service that anyone has ever seen, it all starts with your why. And I hope that you're able to find that. And if you want to share what your why is and how it's linked to what you do in your business, send us an email at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com or better yet, share it out with your clients this week in a video explaining who you are and why it is that you do what you do. We'd love to see those. So tag us too. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International for making today's show possible. But really, we really want to thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back again soon.